Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast on the Complete Media Network. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, coming to you on a holiday Monday. This is called BC Day here, our holiday in August, and uh, lots going on. Uh, I feel pretty rough. I feel pretty tired. Uh, I have been going, going, going. And so has my guest, uh, Jason Cameron, uh, fresh off a stag party up in Whistler. Uh, I hear you're not feeling too great yesterday. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Today is a lot better. It's, it's amazing what sleep and rest can do for a man. Um, but yesterday, yes, it was the accumulation of fun that finally got the best of me when I finally got home yesterday. So uh, I had a great time. Uh, we, we, with my friends, there was about, I guess, to total of 10 to 11 of us. Nice. And uh, we ate well and we partied well. It was a good time. <laughs> good. Did you win? Did win? Uh, playing golf. Oh, no. Because I, I, I decided, because okay, we only had a certain number of spots for golf. So I was out so I could let all the others play the game and play it well because they enjoy that game. I'm, I'm not much of a golfer, but here's the thing. One of the guys in our group is a very good golfer. Oh. He hit for par Did on he? the golf course. Wow. And he even hit an Eagle. Seriously. Oh man. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah oh. He's, he's actually, he's actually really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> Did he uh, did he take some money off the other guys? Was there uh, some friendly wagering going on? I think everybody was smart enough once they they saw him on the first couple of holes to say, "No, I'm not gonna, no, no oh. gambling with you, no gambling." Tap, with you, tapping so oh, forget it. Yeah, holy yeah. wow. Uh, yeah, if he's doing that well, he should uh, try to go to the pro tour. Uh, there's some big money to be had there. Yeah, I know, I know. I I think at one point in time in his life, I think that was. A possibility but um yeah man the guy hit an eagle and then apparently from what the guys were saying he almost had two eagles seriously wow yeah incredible so did you go and ride the cart uh did you actually go out with the boys or did you just stay uh local in the village i went back to bed while those guys did golf um <laughs> i would have rode the cart but unfortunately for some golf courses with their prestige level uh, there's certain things that they don't allow. Ride-alongs are not allowed on that golf course. Yeah, they're they're actually they were very 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 strict with the rules on for that wow. particular golf course. So okay. I bowed out. Yeah. So uh, being a long weekend, uh, Whistler crazy busy. Hey, uh, just uh, a million people up there. It was ridiculous. It was. I did not expect it to be that busy. Well, number one, I didn't expect it to take that long to actually get into Whistler. It did because of how many people were coming into there. And also, I want to say it was kind of nice in the respect that there was no really any, anybody really wearing masks wow. in Whistler for that entirety of that weekend. Crazy. Um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it was nice. It was nice. I... Out of all of our group, everybody was double vaccinated anyways. So nice. there's no problem there in that in that regards or that respect. But uh, I don't know, man. It was just, it was, I guess now as things are getting more online, it was just nice to be around people again. 
Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I've, I've felt that on a few occasions, like I told you a couple weeks ago, going to the uh, Euro cup down yeah. on commercial and uh, pretty much nobody was wearing masks and, yeah. uh, you know, going into a few places lately and yeah, it sort of uh, feels like life is getting back to normal. You, you see the servers uh, still needing to, wear masks but um you know pretty much everybody else uh is uh, yeah starting to return to normal we're we're doing good on the vaccinations uh i'm double vaccinated too and um yeah let's hope that uh, this is just uh, behind us now we don't have to deal with this too much longer yeah that would be that would be good that would be a great thing i, I think everybody's uh feeling tired from it all you know what i mean yeah. so and people want to move on and I think we're almost there to that point. Uh, we just have a little bit more to go. Yeah. So when's the wedding coming up pretty soon? September 10th to the 12th. Yeah. Okay. That's that's when it is. It's yeah. So it is actually coming up pretty, pretty, pretty quickly here. And again, uh, the wedding will be up in around the Whistler area. It's gonna oh. be, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be good. Cool. Good. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Uh, I decided to really let loose myself this weekend on Saturday. I went to three festivals, um, just, uh, missed out so much last summer, heard there was a bunch of festivals this summer, thought, you know, I'm trying to take in as many as possible. Uh, so I stayed in Richmond on Friday night and then drove into the city. There was a festival on Granville street. It was called, um, I think it was called Renegade Festival or something. Uh, worst festival I've ever been to in my life. Just brutal, 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 brutal. Unbelievably bad. Uh, it was two blocks long where they closed off Granville Street. The street from uh, Smythe to Nelson, where the Roxy is and all that. And then the one uh, south of that, um, past uh, Nelson. And... Man, I just can't not even believe how bad of a festival it was. So didn't stick around there very long. Just decided to uh, get out of there. Went to another festival over in West Van. It's called the Harmony Arts Festival. Been there before. Uh, lots of bands and stuff that I've wanted to see over the years. And I um, quite enjoyed myself. Uh, this one kind of shocked me, though, because I was probably the youngest person there by about 25 years so <laughs> that is not uh, something that happens to me very often anymore and uh, I was pretty stunned I was like wow this is really bizarre <laughs> I am <laughs> very much the youngest person here me and my girlfriend Lorraine it was just insane I was blown away by it so so Okay, yeah, because I, I don't even know what to I don't even know where to begin to say about that because yeah, man. Okay, so yeah, yeah a lot of gray hairs. Yeah. A lot of gray yeah, hairs. Yeah, very much so. Gray hairs, yeah. <laughs> and they uh it was pretty poorly organized as well. Uh I'm not sure if it was because COVID, but they said they had a floating stage and there sounded like there was a pretty cool band playing there. So I expected to see like a little barge, you know, some type of little thing floating out in the water you know along the beach there but no uh actually never did find the floating stage uh, uh went into this beer garden and there was a couple of bands that were playing a lot of cover tunes and they were okay uh nothing too special but uh today i'm going back down there 
uh, a band that I love, local band, one of the best bands uh, that ever came out of Vancouver. They're called the Boom Booms. Ever heard of them? No. I, okay. No. Well, they're a fantastic band. I'm going to um, get, uh, try my best to get them as a podcast guest. Uh, I have seen them maybe a couple dozen times over the years and just absolutely love them. They're a phenomenal live performer. They play original music and uh, they have uh, such a wide variety of music and they're just a lot of fun. So they're playing down there again uh t- tonight uh starting at seven so that's why i thought we would do this podcast a bit early tonight okay okay so that that's how that all came together that's cool man that's great yeah. that's great to see the some of the local talent in the city for sure the other uh the other festival we went to was the shipyard festival and uh down in uh north van right beside the key now they have this really awesome shipyard district have you been there yet no I have not. Okay. Well, I recommend it. Uh, amazing. They had uh, they had a huge stage with a, a big area there for people to watch the bands. They had another beer garden where they had another band playing. Uh, tons and tons and tons of people around. A really cool area. Really, really fun. We ended up spending uh, quite a few hours there, and uh, that was the capper. I'm glad we uh, saved the best for last, and we ended up having uh, a ton of fun, and after that, I thought, you know, we had such a good day. Um, uh, let's let's do something similar tomorrow. Uh, couldn't find any festivals, but we decided to go on a pub crawl uh, involving all the brewery tasting rooms around East Vancouver, Olympic Village, and the part, parts of East Van. And uh, man, what a great day! What a what a blast! Uh, so many cool spots. So many great drinks and food and uh just had an absolute ball um didn't get home till about uh, 2 30 in the morning so yeah feeling it today <laughs> definitely uh two days of doing that uh like you said earlier to me before we started the podcast um you know we're we're not as young as we used to be and uh you can feel it a little bit more than we ever did yeah yeah you you can definitely feel it a little bit more than we did when we were younger, that's for sure. But uh, it, it, it's fun in small doses now, I guess you could say. That's when it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we just, uh, yeah, we had a great weekend so far. Um, and as I said, we're going back down to that arts festival today. So a uh, really nice way to spend a long weekend. Uh, I had been off work for about three and a half months and then back to work last week, but only two days. And then off for three i kind of recommend that sort of schedule to most people uh two days on three days off two days on three days off uh hopefully i can keep pulling that off for the next little while uh i think that'll fit my lifestyle yeah that sounds really nice it does it sounds really nice i don't know if you will be able to pull that off but if you can that'd be pretty cool yeah (laughs) yeah let's hope so Uh, summer's uh summer's rapidly going uh we're we're finally seeing some smoke around here that's uh, starting to bother the air quality and you can't uh, see the sun as well. Uh, I hope um, the winds blow it back uh, south and, and east and get it out of here because uh, that's no no good. Uh, we've had that uh, last couple summers and uh, we had avoided it pretty much until now, but uh, it's back. Yeah, well, it was only a matter of time, right? Because of the mere fact that we haven't had any rain 
It hasn't rained. And I don't, and it, I don't know if in the uh, future forecast if there's any rain coming anytime soon either. So, yeah, yeah we're going to have to settle in for some smoky, uh, smoky clouds and some smoky air to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about the UFC in a few minutes, but there's some big news uh, in the world of basketball. Uh, both Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard have opted out of their option player contract options. Uh, Chris Paul turned down $44 million for next season with the Suns, and Kawhi Leonard turned down $36 million for next season with the Clippers. Um, I was surprised by uh, especially the Chris Paul move, because I don't see him getting $44 million anywhere else, but... Um, he thinks that somehow he can get more money in a long-term deal than just that one year of 44 million. Um, Kawhi thinks he can get a huge massive deal. And I got some details about that, but um, in saying all that, uh, if you were a team out there, who would you try to get? Would you try to get Kawhi? Would you try to get CP3? Uh, who would be your uh, attempt at trying to lure one of them to your team? Well, if I had to make a choice between those two players, it would definitely be Kawhi Leonard. Like that, that would be the guy that I would chase after the hardest and the most because of number one, his age. And number right. two, like uh, he was one of the best two way uh, offensive, defensive threats in the league. He's one of the best right. players in the league. So I, yeah. that would be for me, that would be the no brainer. I would go after him if I had the cap space, if I had the assets to make a trade to the Clippers. But I, I would imagine, though, that the Clippers will be like, well, let's open up our bolt here and give him a bunch of money <laughs> because of and, and they have to do that. There's a reason why they have to do that, because of the fact of what they gave up to get him to come there. It right. doesn't make any sense for, for, for them to let him walk at this point no. in time. They're True. invested. They're completely invested. So whatever he wants, he's going to get. Yeah. Uh. So Kawhi can negotiate a new new deal. Uh, the max he can get would be uh, a on a four year deal, one hundred and seventy six million, uh, or he does a one year deal and becomes a free agent next year. Then he can sign a five year deal worth two thirty five. So um, <laughs> yeah, so back up the Brinks truck to. Uh, Clipperland there and uh, yeah, try to sign him back. Uh, uh, in their first year when uh, PG 13 and and uh, Kawhi went there, they didn't seem to get along very well with their teammates. We didn't hear as much rumblings out of the Clippers this past year. Uh, but um, yeah, obviously, like you say, the Clippers need to try to put him uh, under contract and keep him back there. But could you see him going somewhere else? Oh, I, 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 the, the possibility obviously exists. It is there. Yeah. I just, I just don't, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen because I think Steve Ballmer is just like, well, I'm kind of put into a, a rock and a hard place here. And so since I'm super rich anyways, I guess I'm going to make him richer, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, okay, speaking of uh, Chris Paul, he he joined Phoenix in November via trade with the Thunder. Uh, they gave up Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lur 
and a first round pick. Uh, when he went to Phoenix, um, suddenly it just uh, turned around that franchise uh, with Monty Williams. They led the team to a 51-21 record, number two seed in the Western Conference. They won the Western Conference and uh, went uh, six games in the, the final. Um, had the Bucks on the ropes, uh, two nothing lead, and uh, lost four straight. Uh, do you think? To me, it's it's crazy that he would even consider leaving Phoenix because that's the most success he's ever had team wise in his career. And they seem to love him there. He seems to know his role. And uh, it seems to me just a perfect fit. I, I would be really surprised if he decided to go somewhere else. I would too. I would be surprised. But I think the thing with him is, the sticking point is his status within the union as the player president. Right. And also to the fact that he cannot give this team a deal because of his status as the player president. The only right. thing I could see that might force him into a difficult situation or out of Phoenix is if he puts his foot down and says, "This, these are the years and this is how much I will be paid. Right. Like if there's no negotiation whatsoever, if he just makes a statement of what it is, I see. then I yeah. think that puts Phoenix in a very awkward position. But I don't think that's gonna happen. I think they'll negotiate fairly so that he's compensated fairly, and then he yeah. stays. Yeah. Uh, there, is a, uh, there is a rule in the collective bargaining agreement called the over 38 rule, which dictates teams can't offer players a four-year contract if they turn 38 years old during its duration. So this does actually make Phoenix the favorite to re-sign Chris Paul. He's only 36 at this point. So... Uh, probably a two-year deal, three-year deal uh, is in the works. Um, I hear the Knicks are hot on his heels. Uh, free agency period opens Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I heard that the Knicks uh, really want to bring him on, uh, put Derrick Rose in a, a supplementary role again and uh, try to go for uh, something better. They lost to... Uh, Atlanta in the, the first round, uh, but had a resurgence in that city um, that we haven't seen in a very, very, very long time. Um, I could see him going there. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Knicks is, a, you know, such a storied franchise. It's a, a great arena. Um, do you see him, him being a fit there? It could possibly be, but I think he would think, is this team, are the Knicks actually a better team than the team I'm already on right now? No. I would no. think, I would say no. I, no. I think where he is right now, that team is better than the Knicks. So right. why would I go to an inferior team, especially when I'm very close to the end of my career? I need to set myself up with my the best possible situation to possibly win a ring. Yeah. I think for him, it's in Phoenix. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Uh, lots of rumors flying around because free agency is uh, um, coming up. Uh, I guess it's uh, later on today. Uh, Chicago is set to give uh, Lonzo Ball an $80 million offer sheet. Uh, so maybe uh, that Chris Ball thing is uh, maybe a secondary plan if, uh, if he doesn't uh, sign it or if um, 
New Orleans isn't willing to match it. So uh, that's a big rumor. Uh, lots of rumors floating around with Miami and Kyle Lowry. Uh, supposedly they're uh, working out a, a sign and trade deal with Miami. And you and I have talked about Lowry going to Miami. Uh, would that be a great fit? I think so. I think so. I, I think with the grit, toughness, defensive ability, and it's the fact that uh, he can flat out shoot when he needs to. Um, I think that's a very good fit for Kyle Lowry. And also, too, there's always that um, conversation about, like, the culture of Miami. Kyle Lowry fits that culture. He fits yeah. that culture to a T of hard sure. work, dedication, and just working through it. So if, if they're able to bring Kyle Lowry on, I think that's a bonus to the Miami. Yeah. Uh, Miami's also looking to uh, bring on DeMar DeRozan, trying to reunite uh, those best friends and former teammates. Um, what about DeMar going there? Uh, that sounds quite interesting. Yeah, that, that, it does. It does, because now you're looking at a team with like with Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lauer. Like, yeah, man, that, that sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like a that sounds like a very, very good team. Um, yeah. Now, are they going to be able to do all of that? Like, they're going to have to give away some, some stuff, um, some some people, some members of the team to uh, to get DeRozan and to get Lowry. But uh, if they can actually get both of them, oh, man, that, that would be a huge feather in their cap. Sure would be, yeah. Amazing. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of things to break down. Um, I, supposedly, uh, the Golden State Warriors are set to sign uh, Steph Curry to an extension that would be four years $215 million. Uh, that would keep him there through the Warriors through 2026. Uh, no brainer there. First off, is it enough money? Because I'd probably give him more, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> and yes, that's a no brainer. That's an absolute no brainer. You give him, I don't know, you just give him whatever he wants and then, yeah. then he's fine and he's good. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So. Yeah, lots, uh, lots of interesting things. Uh, I can't wait till the deadline hits, and we'll we'll see a flurry of activity. I'm sure uh, there's always tons of money handed out. There was nearly a billion dollars handed out in the NHL free agency frenzy just last week. Uh, I think po uh, probably there'll be more money handed out in the NBA uh, when we're talking about two hundred million dollar deals and stuff already. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, we could be looking at two to three billion dollars. Yeah, easy, easy yeah. because uh, the, the, it's just the sheer amount that these guys are worth nowadays. You know, like it's just it's amazing how much money these athletes make, and rightfully so. You know, it's what the market will bear, and this is what will bear, which is a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, shifting to footballs and football news. Uh, Carson Wentz uh, has injured himself again. He seems to be one of the most injury-prone superstar QBs in our lifetime, uh, having so much trouble staying healthy. Indy thought, um, yeah, this is a good bet to bring him in and, and uh, yeah, be their quarterback. Uh, he's decided to undergo surgery out another uh, 8 to 12 weeks, they say. Um, can you believe... A guy with uh, so much potential, so much promise, uh, always touted as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, have had so much difficulty staying healthy. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is kind of unbelievable, but uh, sometimes the injury bug can hit a player and it will just keep coming and coming and coming. Comes in waves, comes for seasons. And then all of a sudden now you have the question mark of, can he stay healthy? It kind of sucks when you're hit with that moniker because now people and organizations don't know if they can trust you to even stay on the field. So, yeah, uh, that's what he's dealing with now. And hopefully he can recover as quickly as he can. But now you're looking at it saying, well, when's the next time he's going to get injured? Might yeah. be immediately after he comes back. You never know. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't put too much trust in him. That's for sure. Uh, and the one rumor that just came out was um, Nick Foles might uh, come in to uh, replace him. Uh, we've heard that story before. Uh, he said he would welcome a reunion with Frank Reich, the uh, indie coach there. And uh, he is a Chicago Bear right now, uh, but uh, I'm, he would step into a prominent starter's role and uh, maybe win the Super Bowl as well. Uh, you know, that would be pretty incredible uh, story. We've seen it a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's familiar with stepping in for Carson Wentz. No, no problem. I can do that. I, I have done that. So yeah. I, if they're able to get Nick Foles, Actually, that would probably be a good thing for the team because, uh, uh, well, they need a quarterback, number one. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's familiar with stepping in and uh, doing a good job with uh, the number one going down with an injury. So. Yeah. Uh, there's rumors out of Buffalo that they are threatening the city to move the team to Austin, Texas. Uh, we've seen NFL teams do this to try to leverage a, a better deal out of the city, but, uh, have you heard any of these rumors yet? I have not heard that one. That's amazing because Buffalo has always had an NFL team and for the, and for the owner kind of ballsy to threaten the city of Buffalo to move them. Wow, man. Like I, there, if, if there's one NFL team where I never thought the team would move would be Buffalo. So I don't know if the city will budge on that. I don't. I don't really know what what he's asking for. But since he's a billionaire, he's probably asking for everything, because they, yeah. you know, they don't like spending their own money. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I I hope that I hope the team doesn't leave because Buffalo has always deserved the team. I hope they don't. Leave. Yeah, this past year uh, they made the playoffs for the first time in a real long time. Uh, obviously, had that history of four straight. Super Bowl appearances um, and the Bills Mafia, one of the greatest uh, fan bases in in the NFL. And uh, yeah, it would be horrible to see that move. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to keep on top of what's going on there. Uh, I, I have a funny story from NFL training camp. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, longtime Panther, went to uh, the Giants, and they signed him to a one-year deal to come in, uh, decided uh, he suited more a tight end than a receiver that he had played his whole entire career. Uh, he reported to camp at uh, 265 pounds, and they said, uh, you need to slim down a little bit. You need that quickness that we need to, for your cuts. Uh, we want you to get down to 251 by the start of training camp. So he had just went in to – uh, early preseason camp. Uh, two weeks go by. Uh, he gets on the scale, steps off the scale, runs out onto the field, uh, starts trying to catch a couple balls. Uh, the training staff come over to the coach and say, 
So uh, Benjamin weighed in at 268, uh, just so you know. And uh, a bit of fireworks ensued, uh, some troubles, and um, there are uh, some weapons being fired from Benjamin back at uh, the Giants, but uh, they cut him. They said, see you later. You didn't, uh, you didn't, uh, we didn't do what you, we asked you to do, and it's time uh, you hit the road. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, this is all on Benjamin, but uh, <laughs> what do you think of the crazy news out of there? Well, that's amazing. That's amazing that he just flew in the face of what his coaches, coaching staff wanted to do and just said, you know what? I think I'm going to call my own shot here. I don't think they know what they're talking about. I'm going to put on weight <laughs> and I'm going to take the field just like I always thought I would. I don't know what was going through his head. I don't know how he thought that scenario would work out to his favor. Like usually if the coaching staff tells you to do something, you know, you're supposed to do it. <laughs> it's your job. It's, it's yeah. your job. It's literally your job. So when you don't do that, well, you shouldn't be surprised if you lose said job. Yeah. I don't know if it was sour grapes, but he had a lot of bad things to say about Joe Judge, the, the new Giants coach. Uh, Judge took, took the high road and uh, wouldn't fire anything back at him. Uh, but then there was also some funny stories that came out that said uh, they have him on video stealing food out of the Giants facility and taking it home. And uh, I can't wait to see some video of it. I haven't yet. But uh, it's going to be funny to see him looking around and <laughs> stealing food, and maybe eating some as he's getting more. And uh, But, uh, yeah, 268, uh, yeah, he ate himself right out of the league. I've heard guys say uh, other guys have e eaten themselves out of a job, but literally he has seemed to eat himself maybe right out of the NFL uh, this might uh, shy a lot of teams away from even touching him. Well, yeah, because your food's not safe in your organization. He will go in there and he'll take whatever's not bolted down onto the <laughs> table. He'll just be like, oh, would you look at it? I'll take that. I'll take that apple. You don't need that hoagie. I will take that too. <laughs> no, man, like if, if the man can't control his eating habits to the point that he's just going to take anything and everything, well, then, yeah, you might have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, there must be a food anonymous. Uh, hi, my name is Kelvin. <laughs> I am a food addict. Uh, maybe that's his next meeting before he can step back on a football field ever again. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea, you know, so he can get all that uh, his compulsive eating under wraps, you know, get that yeah. in, in, under control. I'm talking to a food addict right now, and uh, uh, what would you have done if they said, uh, get down to 251 there, Jason? Would you be able to stop eating food? Well, first off, I'd probably be, already be eating a sandwich, Mike. 250? I don't know, man. I'm going to have to think about that one. Hey, give me that big Mac. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, yeah. How about this? Let's negotiate. 256. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I probably would find it hard. Um he I did did actually hear him say that he he worked out really hard but he actually put on muscle, so that was the the thing, but uh I think he could have talked to a nutritionist and still put on muscle but still drop the actual LB, so 
Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it shakes out. Uh, probably Kelvin Benjamin will be able to take his food addiction to his next career and his uh, next endeavor. But um, yeah, I, I, I laughed quite a bit when I heard all the crazy stuff coming out of Giants camp there. A distraction they really didn't need. Uh, they've had a really poor go of it lately and new coaching staff, new QB, lots of new faces there. Uh, Benjamin comes in and uh, yeah, just sort of blows the whole thing up. It was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, it is pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But at least it, 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 it's kind of it's kind of a silly distraction. It's kind of ridiculous. And so yeah. it, it's not you don't have to take it too seriously, which is OK. Well, that guy's not going to be around for too much longer. Whatever. <laughs> Keep sure. eating, there, buddy. Keep eating. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of fun stuff coming out of football camps. Uh, things to talk about. Uh, seasons uh, rapidly coming. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun things uh, to, to discuss, as always. Um, I, pre- I'm getting prepared to be a guest on a podcast, uh, next weekend. I will be a guest on the all even podcast with Barry Grant jr. Out of New York. Pretty excited about that. Uh, I recommend to all our viewers and listeners, um, go and check out the all even podcast. Uh, he has fantastic takes. He does a couple podcasts a week. One, uh, where he, he has himself discussing the world of sports uh, as a whole and then he has guests on every saturday's podcast so i'll be one of his guests uh, coming up and uh, it's going to be super fun to be on the other side of it for once first off congratulations to you to you my friend that's awesome that's awesome to hear and uh yeah sounds like that's going to be a lot of fun a lot of fun man so that's awesome good to hear yeah, yeah, Barry's a great guy, so I'm really, I was really happy that he reached out and asked me if I'd be a guest, and I said, for sure. So, um, yeah, this is going to be uh, uh, fun to talk about the uh, UFC this past weekend. Uh, there was a great event on at the Apex, and uh, two middleweight, uh, very good contenders. Uh, number eight, Uriah Hall, facing... Number four, our number 11, Sean Strickland. Uh, both guys coming in on four fight winning streaks. And um, uh, a lot of people thought uh, Hall was going to shoot himself up in the top five in the division with a big resounding win over Strickland. Uh, but Strickland showed that um, he has just emerged as a top 10 talent in that division. Uh, look out, most of the guys there, because this was a dominating performance over a very tough Uriah Hall. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Super dominating performance. But the one thing I've, the one thing I've no, always noticed with Uriah, sometimes, I, I don't know what it is. It, it's something that I think he's been trying to work on. But it seems like sometimes he'll come into a fight with low energy. Like where yeah. it, it's, it's almost like his confidence is lacking before he even threw a punch, which I, I just don't understand where that's coming from. It's, like, it's almost as if he doesn't realize just how actually gifted and good he is you know like and i and that's what i saw in this fight where i saw a guy in 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 strickland who had the utmost confidence in himself as soon as he started the fight and uriah who just seemed to not have it he just didn't seem to have it and strickland when he when he was starting off he was popping the jab he got off first and hall is notoriously a slow starter Mm -hmm. and so he basically just gave away that first round because he didn't throw anything. Yeah. He, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do anything, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden, just from that first round, I thought it just compounded upon itself. 
So Strickland got more confident, and then Hall almost seemed like he got more dejected as the fight went on. And and yeah. then that's, that, that was basically it. That's how the fight went. Strickland got stronger. I felt that Hall was weakening as the fight went on. I think this is a quote from Mike Tyson. Uh, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. And that's kind of what I thought of while I was watching this because Strickland threw those first early jabs that just seemed to back Hall up. And he just seemed tentative. He just didn't seem to uh, be the first to the punch. And he just kept taking abuse. Uh, he started getting damage on his left eye. It started closing. Uh, he was stunned quite a few times. And Strickland just kept coming. He threw 100. Strickland threw 113 punches in that first round. Uh, didn't land them all, but uh, was, you know, just relentless with his pursuit and and uh yeah just overwhelmed hall uh we saw every time he went to the corner his corner was imploring him to you know uh throw more be uh aggressive going for it and uh, he just didn't seem to follow the game plan just wouldn't didn't seem to be able to go first and and get to the punches uh that he needed to yeah like and i think the jab was definitely affecting him like i, I don't think he knew how to neutralize it how to get around it like it it just i think that threw off his game plan because i know that hall is a dynamic striker so yeah. then where was the dynamic striking where were your combinations actually more to the point where were your leg kicks that was that was bizarre yes that was. was that was bizarre because strickland's not known as a you know takedown specialist <laughs> so you know that's where you would think a guy would be a little hesitant to throw leg kicks but he wasn't throwing any leg kicks to try to diminish that front leg uh, at all for Strickland. And it was really bizarre. Uh, he just seemed like they had a strange game plan. And then the game plan was just out the window uh, from that point forward once he, yeah, like you say, he lost that first round and it just seemed to throw him off. It, it just totally threw him off because let's say this, if he actually throws the leg kick, gets that calf kick going, then all of a sudden uh, Strickland has a harder time of throwing that jab because on the jab, you have to be front foot heavy. Now he, he can't be he can't be that heavy on that lead leg because yeah. it's damaged. But he didn't do that. He just yeah. there's a lot of things that I saw in that fight where I'm just like, why is he not getting going? What is he doing? What's he doing? Yeah. And his and his and his corner was imploring him to get going, but he never could. Uriah Hall, if you're a fan of Uriah Hall, uh, it has he has to be just exasperating and just very difficult to be a fan of because he has performances like this he's so inconsistent he'll be phenomenal really dynamic and then he'll have a dip and he'll not fight very well for one or two fights uh he was coming in off a four fight winning streak beating chris weidman beating anderson silva having you know some really good performances but um yeah this was just another example of him just somehow just not having that killer mentality, that heart that everyone's looking for, and, and just that ability to overcome adversity if you face it. Yeah, yeah. Like, And I'll give him a little bit of credit. I'll give him a little bit of credit. Like, he, he did go into that fifth round, and he threw. Like, they, they, they've kind of fought in a phone booth. But at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't with power the effect that you need because he needed a knockout at that point in time. And whatever Strickland was receiving wasn't going to knock him out. And he knew no. that. And no. he knew that. So, 
Yeah. 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 You look at, you know, I, I'm looking at his record right now and, you know, he's had some great uh, performances, um, but um, you know, I, his loss against Whitaker wasn't good. And then he lost to Brunson and Musasi. That was a, a three fight winning streak comes back and beats Jotko, but then he loses to Paulo Costa. Uh, you know, this loss to Sean Strickland hurts. Um, he lost to Gastelum, uh, John Howard, you know, Rafael Natal, just too many uh, performances, the lackluster. Uh, he wanted to start joining the upper echelon of this middleweight division and try to go after Adesanya, but um, no, he's going to take a step back. I think the eight and the 11 will switch. Uh, we'll see Strickland in the eighth position. Uh, Hall will be back in the 11th position in the, in the rankings. And uh, yeah, I, I don't see him facing a top 10 guy <clears throat> again until he, he can prove that he, he's got the capability of doing it. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely agree with you because he, he's, he doesn't deserve it right now. I'm sorry yeah. to say it, but like he just doesn't deserve that kind of opponent at this point in time. He's going to need to climb back up the ladder so that he can face an opponent like that. Uh, you and I have talked about Strickland quite a bit uh, since we started this podcast. And uh, the one thing that uh, is mentioned so much is that he came back from a life-threatening, career-threatening motorcycle crash. He was actually sparring with Uriah uh, that day. He left the gym, got on his bike. The next thing he remembers is waking up in the hospital, uh, severely mangled and broken up. Uh, he's had to overcome so much. And uh, he was 15-0 and 0 as a middleweight. Then he went down in weight, uh, fought there for a while, had a, not bad performances, but I think was just gassing himself, uh, trying to cut down so much. Uh, he seems to really be... Uh, back at his natural weight and fully recovered from this motorcycle crash and and really starting to eye the top of the division, getting an opportunity to you know, take down some of the giants. And uh, if he keeps winning like this, uh, I can't see him not getting a title shot. Uh, I definitely can't see it. Like if he keeps going on a trajectory that he's going to right on right now. And then also too, just look at his record. He's 24 and three. He lost three times, man. Like, he's yeah. really, really good. So, yes, if he keeps going the way that he's going, um, I, I don't think it's obviously out of the realm of possibility that he gets a top five guy. That, heck, maybe even a top three guy in the in the division, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's only lost to Usman, uh, to Santos, and Ponzinibbio. So, you know, really tough guys. And he's beat... Uh, a lot of really, really tough guys. So, um, yeah, good on him. Uh, great performance. And uh, nice to see a guy that uh, had such a life-changing accident be able to come back from it and, and play or, and, uh, you know, perform super well in a main event. Not used to um, five-round fights, uh, you know, but he he didn't seem gassed at all, was able to, you know, last that 25 minutes and, and just have a superior dominating performance. So, uh, good on Strickland. Uh, we'll see. Uriah Hall has to regroup there and, and see what he can do coming forward. Um, the co-main event uh, surprised me. Uh, two very inexperienced girls coming in. Uh, tough girls for sure, but uh, I didn't uh, at first when I looked at the, as being the co-main, I thought, hmm, why are they putting this as the co-main? But uh, Cheyenne Bays uh, just boom, uh, really 
came in there, uh, had a dominating, incredible performance, big knockout victory, and uh, yeah, put the uh, division on notice that uh, look out, here I'm, here I'm coming. Yeah, no, she her win was stellar, spectacular, and uh, the kick that she threw as the Paula was trying to get up was absolutely perfect. The timing was perfect because if it was just a little bit sooner, she would have struck a grounded opponent and then she would have been DQ'd. She would have been disqualified. So the timing of that kick, it literally couldn't have been any better than when she threw it. It was perfect. Then the ground and pound finish. She actually at first walked off like, all right, I win. (laughs) (laughs) But then it's like, oh, oh, the fight's not over yet. Bang, bang, bang. And then the fight was so great win by vice yeah holy cow um yeah you're right uh she just seemed to think that that was a walk-off ko and started moving mark smith mark smith like nope she's not totally out and then but she mounted her immediately threw some left that were uh pretty brutal and uh immediately uh mark smith came in uh the warrior princess love that nickname she's won five of her last six coming off that dana white contender series her and her husband both came in off the contender series. Uh, both had some losses right away when they came, but um, she got that finish, uh, the fourth fast finish in fourth fastest finish in strawweight history, and uh, looked tough as nails. And uh, yeah, it's just yelled out, "I'm coming! I'm coming!" to the rest of the division. Uh, that was uh, that that KO kick was amazing. It was. Like you say, just perfect timing. Just the hand leaves the mat and boom, the kicks into her face, knocks her out. Uh, yeah, well, knocks her down anyway. And really quickly, right after a, a knockout. Uh, I look forward to seeing her again soon. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I, I look forward to her. I look forward to seeing like performances like this. If she can keep doing stuff like this, well, then the sky's the limit. Yeah. Well, speaking of knockouts, uh, Jared Gooden, uh, man, night train was just choo, choo, choo <laughs> along. Uh, boom, one minute, eight seconds in. Huge, huge knockout shot. Just uh, a massive right that dropped uh, Stoltze. And uh, he obviously did not remember. Uh, he gets up and he's like, what happened? What happened? Because that shot was just brutal. The power uh for good and uh super impressive yes and and that's and that's the worry if you're his opponent like if he if he unleashes and if you're not ready or he catches you then it's it's lights out like the guy didn't remember getting hit that's how hard he hit him i don't remember it (laughs) yeah it was a great it was a great knockout win for good yeah man um one thing that i'm really bothered by on these uh, fight night cards that are shown uh, on uh, ESPN Plus uh, is the bleeps. Uh, they anytime a guy swears, uh, we don't hear anything for about five seconds, both sides of that swear word, and the interviews are like beep 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 beep. I'm just like, what the heck? Why can't we hear an occasional f word or something like that? It, uh, most of that whole entire post-fight interview was bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah, I, I didn't, I don't know what he said. I don't know what he said. I, I, I know he was talking. His mouth was moving, but I don't, I don't know 
what he said. I don't know if he's talking about ice cream. I have no idea. So, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Super frustrating. Uh, I, I, I don't look forward to the post-fight interviews on fight nights. I, I, I enjoy them on the pay-per-views, but uh, yeah, not, uh, not great uh, having to have that much bleeped out. Uh, it seems like it's a five second or something. Yeah. So, you know, a couple seconds before, a few seconds after, that F word's going to have one second of that five seconds and we're not going to hear anything else. So the context is just gone. Yeah. And you know what? I, I can't blame the fighters for when they, they, they throw down the F bomb or whatever, because I don't know. They've just been fighting for 15 <laughs> minutes. Yep. They're pretty F. Their adrenaline spiked. And yes, if they swear, they swear because you know, they're fighters. It's yeah. kind of what they do. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. Well, you you see that uh, you know disclaimer after every commercial. They say you know this uh, you know has some violence. Uh, you know, viewer discretion advised and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can handle as adults some swear words. You know, like mm -hmm. if. We're saying that kids aren't, you know, supposed to be watching this. Great. Uh, you know, we're seeing some serious violence, but, oh, you better not say drop an F-bomb. Yeah, yeah. Or or when a guy kicks another man and then breaks his leg and then yells out a swear word because he just had his leg broken. Well, you know what? Yeah, that happens. That happens. We should just, uh, I don't know. It, it should be allowed to a certain extent. So that at least we get the context of whatever the fighter's saying post post fight interview. At least yeah. give us yeah. that. Give us something. Yeah. So uh, okay, this uh, featherweight fight before that fight uh, was with two guys coming off the Dana White contender series, and uh, we saw a crazy head kick that uh, led to the KO. Um, I noticed. Anglin, Colin Anglin, and uh, let's, uh, uh, you're probably better at saying this guy's <laughs> name than I am, but uh, Melsik Bagdarsian. Okay, I don't know. Bagdasarian. 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 Okay, that's that's a good way. Uh, both of them coming off the Dana White Contender Series last September. They both had victories uh, at the Apex where this uh, card was taking place. Uh, but uh, uh, I think it was Paul Felder that uh, made some notice that Anglin was holding his, his hand a uh, little too low for his liking, and uh, Bagdasarian took advantage. Uh, his nickname is The Gun, and uh, he threw out that kick, wobbled him, and uh, boom, the fight was pretty much over. Uh, Mark Smith jumped in and, and finished it. But, uh, yeah, two two really good contenders, but... Uh, Bagdasarian seemed uh, really lethal with his shots. Yeah. At, first off, I wanted to say with Anglin, I love his clinch work. I thought his yeah. clinch work was very good. He was very strong in the clinch. But nice. all of a sudden, though, when, when Bagdasarian got distance and was able to open up and let loose, because the other thing with uh, Bagdasarian with his kicks, no tell. No tell whatsoever. He, right. he, there was no wind up. There was no anything. So when he hit him with that left high kick, I don't think Anglin even recognized it or knew it was coming. It was just, and it was up there in a heartbeat. His kicks, he threw those kicks so fast and with such lethality. Like I, I was super impressed with his quickness, his speed, and his power that he had with both his punches and kicks, but definitely his kicks. And that left yeah. high kick was a thing of beauty. It really was. Yeah, it was incredible. He got 50K. 
for that performance. Um, and Cheyenne Bice, uh, I forgot to mention while we were talking about her, she also got 50K for her brilliant head kick and knockout there. So those were the, the two bonuses outside of the fight of the night. Um, but um, yeah, uh, uh, I see big things coming for the gun. He had, um, he had four KOs in the first 32 seconds of his fights uh, before this one. Uh, so um, yeah, he's, he's lethal really quickly. He came out and threw some really heavy shots, heavy kicks immediately. Uh, but um, Anglin was able to weather the storm a bit, but uh, wasn't able to uh, survive that head kick. Uh, he was married three weeks ago and in, uh, I think it's September 24th, uh, Bagsarian's getting married. So both guys, um, tying the knot in the, these months. And, uh, the other thing was, uh, I guess it was Dana White's birthday. Cause he yelled out happy birthday, Dana. So, uh, I was surprised that we didn't hear that more through the card, but, uh, he was, uh, hey, I got to say that to the boss. Uh, smart move. Yeah, that was a smart move. And also, too, you probably didn't hear that throughout the card too much because Dana said, don't anybody mention that. It's my birthday. <laughs> Nobody mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said he had 200 amateur kickboxing fights back in Armenia. And he said he purposely didn't watch any of Anglin's previous fights because he said, I've spent my whole life where I just go to a, a boxing event, kickboxing event, and I don't even know who I'm going to fight. I might fight three times. I might fight six times on the same card, and they're just going to throw in guys, and I'm just going to knock them out. And he said, uh, my corner was telling me, this is different. These are different opponents. You better prepare. You better see their tendencies. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to knock them out. doesn't matter what he brings. I'm KOing them. And uh, the confidence level there was crazy. Uh, we have seen some pretty good Armenians in there, but uh, this guy just has so much confidence. Yeah, and it, it's great to see because you need that if you want to compete with the best of the best, and especially if you want to climb up the rankings, which I'm sure he does as well. So to a certain extent, yes, that's awesome that he's extremely confident. That's awesome that he's very confident in his power as well. But I would imagine... Eventually, as the competition gets stepping up in nature, it gets harder and harder. He might have to do some film work for some of these guys. <laughs> yeah, this might be. yeah, it would be smart. It would be smart. Uh, that 50K is going to go a lot towards his wedding. So, yeah, congratulations on that. And Cheyenne buys uh, her 50K. Uh, she said she's flat broke. Uh, she had to move to Vegas to uh, really step up her career. Uh, had to... Uh, take a loan to rent a place, uh, has a lot of bills to pay. Uh, 50K is going to go a long way to helping her out and uh, giving her a little bit more financial stability, which is always nice to hear. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's excellent to hear. It's fantastic to hear. I, I, I guess I guess that $75,000 bonus is gone again. But anyway, yeah. but 50000 is still really good. It's still really good, and it's definitely going to help her significantly with the, any sort of financial bills that she has to pay. The fight that, uh, the fight that kicked off the main card was the fight of the night. Uh, Brian Bam Bam Barbarina against Jason, the vanilla gorilla wit. And, um, uh, this was a crazy war. This was, uh, 
a phenomenal fight to watch. I was entertained throughout. Uh, Witt was the best fighter uh, for the most part in this fight. Uh, he definitely took those first two rounds, in my opinion. Uh, Barbarina almost had him out of there in that third round and had him in all sorts of trouble. But uh, Witt is one very, very powerful guy and uh, ended up getting the decision victory. Uh, did you enjoy this fight as much as I did? I did. I loved it. I loved it because the one thing with Barbarina that you do know is his power will last throughout the entirety of the fight. Yeah. He's always going to be dangerous and he's always going to be game. And so for those first two fights where Wits, the way that he fought, extremely intelligent and extremely efficient as well. Um, yeah. Whenever he took him down, he always caught Barbarina coming in. So he didn't really have to exercise too much um, too much work to get his man down to the, down onto the mat. And then he kept True. him down. Yeah. But once that third round started, whoo, oh man, it was it was a it was a war. Barbarina yeah. turned it into a war. But I will give Wit credit where credit's due. That was an extreme amount of heart. Anybody else probably would have been knocked out, and that would have been the end of the fight. He managed to still keep his wits somewhat together, together, managed to get him down to the ground when he needed to, and he just literally survived that round that third round was survival and he did it barbarina was coming off of two surgeries um he had life-saving surgery last november uh he was booked to fight uh, daniel rodriguez on november 14th and um, all of a sudden uh had some health troubles uh the surgery is called uh, emergency laparotomy due to internal bleeding from a, a couple of ruptured arteries. Uh, he almost uh, he didn't make it. They say uh, had to have uh, th this emergency surgery. Um, they found uh, uh, one and a half liters of blood inside his abdomen when they opened him up. And uh, they said that if he hadn't been rushed into surgery uh, immediately, he would have passed away. Uh, he also had to have back surgery uh, earlier this year. And uh, so I was amazed that he could even come back and perform as well as he did uh, coming off those two surgeries. Yeah, those are massive surgeries and one where he almost died if he yeah. didn't have it in time, which is actually kind of amazing it's incredible that he was able to catch that in time so that's awesome and also too just the fact that he's even in the octagon to fight after having something of that nature happen like those two massive surges like that so it's 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 encouraging and it's uplifting to hear i think i can still chase after his dreams and uh what a performance when he comes back from all of that and almost almost gets the guy right at the end of the fight Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. These guys, uh, you know, we say it week after week, uh, the toughest human beings on this planet and just uh, shockingly uh, able to overcome uh, so much. And, uh, you know, just the, the pain and the health troubles and all the things that they go through. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just uh, super impressive. And, uh, they, they seem a bit superhuman at, at many, uh, many times uh, when we're talking about them. Uh, okay, why don't we switch to also one of the, the fights of the night, uh, the premier fight on the prelim card, 
was uh, Rafa Garcia against uh, Gritz, Chris Gritzmacher. Uh, Garcia had uh, Gritz in all sorts of trouble early on, uh, almost uh, forced a stoppage. Uh, but Gritz is one tough, tough, tough guy. And uh, that was a war. That was a, a heck of a good 15-minute war. And Gritz ended up getting the decision when, um, yeah, what did you think of this one? You know what Gritz reminded me of? He reminded me of the Terminator, where he just was like, well, nothing's going to hurt me. I'm just going to keep marching forward. Like he just kept coming after the guy. I don't think Garcia was just like, okay, this none of this is normal anymore. Like he just, he just <laughs> kept coming forward. He kept yeah. coming after him, even after the first round where he hurt him badly. Then he's just like, oh no, he's he's still coming forward. Okay, <laughs> this is kind of terrifying. Um, and I I was I was super impressed. I was super impressed with the heart and determination that Gritzmacher showed. I was yeah. impressed by the fact that his cardio was literally that good that he could continue to keep doing that and to continue yeah. to keep pushing putting pressure on Garcia throughout the entirety of that fight. It was amazing. And yeah. I love the fact that when he was in close, he threw very decisive knees and sneaky little elbows too in the clinch. So it was, oh, it was, ah, super impressed. Super impressed. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, man, he is a tough guy. And uh, yeah, we just took a lot of abuse, took some takedowns. Uh, Garcia was the actually the... Uh, heaviest favorite on the card to get the win, but uh, Gritz was like, no, man, I am taking this, and he uh, yeah, was just super impressive with overcoming adversity and uh, grinding out a huge win. It was, uh, yeah, it was great to see. Uh, okay, we have a, a really great featherweight battle between uh, Danny Chavez and Kai Kamaka. Uh Kamaka, the fighting Hawaiian, against Chavez, the Colombian warrior. Uh, both of these guys are super tough, really great to skill level. Um, an incredible war. There was a, a couple of troubles there. Uh, an eye poke on Chavez that uh, really, really, really diminished him for a long time. I, I thought the fight was going to be stopped by Herb Dean and the doctors. Uh, he was allowed to continue after a very long break. Uh, he took a really bad low kick, low blow, um, and it ended up in a draw. I was, uh, I, th I don't think anybody likes draws, uh, um, and it would seem to be very disappointing for everybody involved. But, um, yeah, what did you think of this one? I thought the fight was awesome uh, yeah. to start off with, like, because they're both extremely athletic individuals, and you could tell as they were fighting that, the, like, you know, the fight – any one of these guys could shut the other guy's lights out at any point in time in this fight. And so that's what I loved about it. But when he, Kamaka, unfortunately, had the eye poke against Chavez, I, like you, thought the fight is he can't go on. His reaction was so big that I thought, oh, man, I hope he still has an eye left. <laughs> you know, like I, I, like, I didn't think he would be able to continue after that eye poke. No. But, um, but he, he psyched himself up. He managed to get back in there and fight. And then as soon as he got back in there, he got a groin strike. The groin. Like immediately, almost. And that's what it felt like anyway. So uh, so now he goes down again. Obviously, Herb Dean has to take away a point. And, uh, and then now we get the draw. I would love to see this fight happen again. I think it deserves 
that. I think it's earned that because yeah. I think these guys are perfectly matched. And uh, right. hopefully the next time, if they do, if they reschedule this fight again, then we can see it maybe a gem, an absolute war. They All these guys got to do is remember to keep closed fist. I know they love to, to gauge distance. They usually have their fingers out. Closed fist if you want to get, gauge your distance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to start uh, taking points away from guys. We're going to have to start giving him heavy penalties because we're seeing way too many of these eye pokes. And it's good. It's going to lead to blindness. It's going to lead to, you know, severe problems. I know Michael Bisping had to undergo some eye surgery because he had some severe pokes. Um, we've seen uh, it, it way, way, way too much. And, uh, you know, they're, they're talked about different ways of doing the gloves. But I think it's just, you know, has to be on the fighter. You can't. He can't put a finger in a guy's face like that and, uh, you know, stick it in his eye. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I've had some eye injuries and it is really excruciating and it's hard to see after it's hard to concentrate. Pain is just pulsating through your head and, and um, yeah, we, we've got to stop this. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's causing way too many problems in the USC. Yeah, it, it is. And then also too, now you get these unfortunate decisions where nobody's happy. Nobody's no. happy because like it's just it's 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 inconclusive, the conclusion of a fight. Yeah. Uh okay, let's just fly through the last two. Uh Jin Yu Fry beat uh, Ashley Yoder. Uh was expected. Um unanimous decision. She was definitely the um, better fighter in this entire fight, uh, won unanimously 30-27 on all three judges' cards. Uh, the former Invicta champion is tough as nails, and uh, Yoder's great, but uh, I just don't think on the same class. No, no, she's not on the same class because, like, I've always thought with Yoder, whenever she throws her strikes, they're like they're tapping. There's not the power that needs to be to threaten your opponent. But when right. Frey throws... She throws with power because she yeah. wants to hurt you. She is looking to hurt you with every strike. And also, too, her cardio is up to snuff so that she can last throughout the three rounds and keep continuing to throw with power. I thought yeah. that was the difference in this fight, and that's why I thought Frey should have won in what she did. Yeah, good point. Um, okay, uh, the, uh, the the fight right before this was a flyweight fight between uh, Zaruk Adeshev and Ryan Benoit. Uh, Adeshev ended up getting the decision victory. Uh, I'm amazed that Benoit could even fight this entire fight. Uh, he suffered a fractured fibular head in his left leg. Uh, the pictures online are brutal. Absolutely brutal, brutal, brutal. Uh, he has massive swelling in his leg. His leg is black. Uh, there's a noticeable uh, curve in the bottom of his leg. And uh, he's in the hospital now trying to recover. Uh, I'm not sure if he's um, going to have to have surgery, but um, he suffered that very early on and uh, weathered through 15 minutes, was able to uh, last this. Uh, Adeshev was the better fighter, but... Um, it's amazing that he could even uh, fight that long on a broken leg that severe. I had no idea he actually had broken his leg in the fight. Like, wow, man. Because, like, yeah. you could tell in the fight, Adeshev was killing his leg with those calf kicks and those leg yeah. kicks over and over again. Like, they were brutal. 
they were to the point that even Pittsburgh was like, oh, I'm cringing in my seat. Like, it was cringeworthy. Yeah. And and then also, too, just by when you watch the fight and if they did the close-up look on his leg, oh, it looked super disgusting. It was gross, man. It was gross. Yeah. And yeah, so just with that, that's when I knew. I'm like, ah, I'm pretty sure Adeshan's going to win this fight. <laughs> He's literally yeah. taking away the base of his opponent. So, it very uh, yeah, incredible. Uh, they said he went to a trauma unit uh, that's usually people that go after they've been in motorcycle accidents. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can see the picture of his leg on my oh, phone here. Yes. But, uh, oh, it's really oh. bad shape. Oh. Uh, there's his normal leg next oh. to his, uh, <laughs> his badly broken leg. Uh, we've seen some pretty horrific broken legs. Weidman, uh, Conor McGregor, another one here. Um, these these calf kicks are so damaging, and we talked about it right off the top. Uriah Hall employs those with his huge heavy leg kicks. Uh, he probably has a chance at this fight, but um, yeah, it's uh, super damaging when you hit a guy that hard. Oh, yeah, it is. And then, so you see the result of when a guy commits to leg kicks and calf kicks. I don't know, Uriah. That might have slowed down Strickland. Might have got him off you if he's been throwing that for the first yeah. four rounds. But, you know, I, I maybe next time. Maybe next time. But great win by Adeshev. And that dude, uh, hey, for all the opponents coming up against him, better start checking those kicks or else that's going to happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, another great card. Uh, you know, three of my favorite fights of the year all on this card. Uh, really cool. And, uh, yeah, exciting. Um, Conor McGregor, I just mentioned him with the broken leg. Um, he has signed on for a charity wheelchair boxing match back in Galway, Ireland. He is going to be boxing a, a stand-up comedian that is in a wheelchair and he is famous for his impressions of Conor McGregor. And they've got tens of thousands of views online. And his impressions were so great that uh, somehow he convinced Conor to go into a, a boxing match in a wheelchair. So I don't, I don't know if I'm going to watch it, but uh, interesting. Uh, they are the co-main event. Uh, the main event has another wheelchair-bound comedian named Steve-O Timothy, and he's fighting Patty Barnes, uh, who's a former Olympian. Uh, they put up a um, GoFundMe page, and as of late, uh, there was 35,000 pounds raised for charity that's going to Irish wheelchair uh, organization, and 10,000 of the 35,000 was donated by Conor McGregor. So, um He's actually uh, sometimes an okay guy. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about this uh, charity wheelchair boxing match? As it's out there. I'll, I'll give it that. It's out there. But you know what? Anything that's done for a good cause, I'm, I'm firmly behind. And yeah. uh, it's nice to see that Connor actually does have the ability to be, to do nice things, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's, Balances out all the other awful stuff that he does. But, you know, I guess he's trying. He's trying, and that's cool. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, uh, next week's card uh, comes to us from the Toyota Center in Houston, which is Derek Lewis's hometown. So he is probably going to be widely cheered and uh, be the hometown guy. Uh, he's fighting a really, really tough opponent in Cyril Gaon. Um uh, Lewis is number two. Gane is number two, uh, three. And uh, this is for the interim heavyweight championship belt. I really am begrudgingly saying that because I don't think it's fair that uh, they're actually fighting for an interim belt uh, already. But um, this is a titanic battle. Somebody's getting knocked out, I think. I, I think so, too. I, I think I think somebody's definitely getting knocked out because the one thing that we know about the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, is it doesn't matter how long the fight is. If he gets one of those big shots in, you go to sleep. And that's yeah. it. There's no questions asked. But I am with you on this. I do not agree with this being an interim heavyweight title shot. Like, I, I just don't agree with it. I, I think lately, the UFC means, seems to be more demonstrative in the fact that if you don't do what we tell you to do, well, then we'll just put an interim belt up right away. And I think that's nonsense. I think that's utter and complete garbage. These guys yeah. have worked their entire career to get to a point, and then the severe amount of disrespect that you give to them as soon as they get the belt because they want a little bit more money. Hey, get out of here, man. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? All right, then. Fine. It just yeah. it just that their belts are just not as legitimate as they would like them to be. There's no legitimacy there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, and it's – um. Yeah, it waters down the the, uh, the legitimacy of the belt, and Francis Ngannou had you know finally rose rose to the top and had you know had to watch uh, DC and Cormier fight you know three different times before he finally gets that shot and and gets the belt uh, you know actually fulfills a lifelong dream and you know boom they just rip it away from him because he refuses. To fight at the money that they're talking about um yeah it, it's really bothersome and i love the ufc but when they make decisions like this I, I start really questioning um you know the leadership and the way that they uh you know can change these guys lives it's not fair it's not fair to Ngannou. it's not fair to the fans of the heavyweight division and all the guys that put in that time these guys don't deserve this heavyweight title shot and it, it should never be in the record books as uh, holding an interim belt because um, Ngannou never did anything wrong to deserve this. No, he didn't. He, he didn't. He's never done anything wrong. And but and I and I, I hate the fact that the UFC does throw around the weight to literally bully these guys, right? Yeah. But then all of a sudden they'll turn around on the same on the same thing and be like, "Well, we can't bully Connor because he makes us money," even though he does threaten another fighter who's on our roster threatens his daughter but we're okay with that that we're fine with yeah okay cool good stuff yeah yeah not good not good uh okay the co-main event has uh, the legend jose aldo fighting pedro munoz aldo was a longtime champion uh you know had really solidified himself as one of the greatest ever conor mcgregor knocked him out in 13 seconds um, sort of put a little bit of a, a tarnish there. And then he went and beat Frankie Edgar coming back. And then he's had some 
Uh, definite dips. Uh, I think his age has caught up to him. All the wars that he's been in lately. Uh, he lost twice to Max Holloway, lost to Volkanovski, Marlon Moraes, and Peter Jan. His last uh, fight against Marlon Chito Vera was a victory, but um, I think uh, Aldo is definitely on the downside of his career. Uh, I see Munoz probably taking this one. Could take this one. Okay. Depends. Like sometimes Aldo will have an Aldo-like performance from back in the day, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, it looks like he's back. It looks like he's right. really back. But at the same time, from what you just said there, look at those, those guys that he actually lost to. That's <laughs> a yeah. prop. Like that's that's literally yeah. the best of the best. Because that's right. all that can beat this guy. Is the prop. So but I, I would imagine, though, you know, all those probably getting closer and closer to the end of his career, of a storied Hall of Fame career at that. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm super excited to see this fight, uh, see what Aldo still has left in the tank, because and if we see an older, like a classic version of Aldo, oh, Munoz is in it for a world of hurt. It really yeah, is. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're right. Um, Aldo's just, you know, had a phenomenal career. He's one month away from turning 35, so he's not over the hill age-wise, but I uh, just can't even believe how many incredible wars he's been in in his career, and and that does uh, sort of age you a little bit faster than if you didn't. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he spent so many years at, at featherweight and was the champion there. He's up to bantamweight now. And, um, yeah, I think this will be a great fight, though. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I also think uh, a really good fight between Michael Chiesa and Vicente Luque will be um, definitely in the cards. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to this one a ton. I think this might be fight of the night. I, I honestly believe that. I think this might be fight of the night. I think this fight goes through all levels of fighting, wrestling, grappling, stand-up. I think Vicente Luque will probably want to try to keep it on the feet as much as possible. And I think Michael Chiesa will try to get it to the ground probably as quickly as possible. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I think that's, that's where the war will be. I think the war will be in that middle part of the grappling and see who can get distance away and throw their strikes and who can close distance and get that other person to the ground. True. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of great uh, fighters on this card. Uh, the um, main fight of the prelims has Bobby Green against Rafael Fiziev, which will be a great battle. Uh, we've got Alonzo Menafield uh, fighting Ed Short Fuse Herman, one of the pioneers of the sport. We've got Jessica Penne against uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, uh, which will be great. Um, and yeah, there's a, a ton of fights on this card. Uh, I'm I'm super excited and looking forward to it. And uh, it'll be a packed house in Houston. And, um, yeah, we'll have a new heavyweight champion after this, unfortunately. Yes, yes, we, we will have that. And that's that's not due to these fighters. That's not – this is not their issue. It's more the – it's a UFC thing. But uh, it's going to be a great night of fights. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see Ed Shortfuse Herman get back in there again. The guy is just – I don't know. I – He's been fighting forever. <laughs> like yeah. even Bisping is like, okay, well, that's pretty impressive that that guy is still getting after it, even after all this time. So it, it's going to be a great night of fights, and it's a lot of great matchups. A lot of great matchups. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess we've reached an end to another podcast. Uh, super fun as usual. Uh, both of us 
thoughts are recovering from uh, a long weekend of fun. But uh, yeah, lots of great things to talk about. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what shakes out the NBA free agency. I'm really excited to see uh, as NFL camps proceed and all the details that will come out of there. And uh, obviously, uh, yeah, USC 265 will be uh, fun. It's a uh, yeah, really long card, early prelims, four fights, uh, lots of prelim fights, and the main card. Uh, it looks like they really stacked it and hope everybody uh, does uh, stays safe, doesn't get injured. We don't get any COVID problems. Uh, we luckily haven't had some COVID problems recently there. Um, hopefully they're finally getting it together down south. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, like the vaccinations clearly work. So, you know, get your vaccinations, I guess. <laughs> they don't get it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as long as all the fighters and staff, they just keep keep trucking along, doing what they're supposed to do. I think uh, things will work out well for these cards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just as I, I talk about that, uh, I oh, see oh. here, uh, the UFC announced that uh, a bantamweight matchup between Hani Yaya and Kyung Ho Kang has been removed from the card because of COVID. So, uh, <laughs> damn. So uh, I spoke too soon. Um, <laughs> but, oh, and uh, I guess they said that uh, somebody from Stolze's camp tested positive for COVID. But when they uh, did the contract tracing, they realized that um, Stolze didn't have uh, much de uh, dealings with that particular coach. So, Okay. Uh, that fight uh, still stayed on, but um, yeah, it's insane. Uh, uh, it's insane the uh, COVID situation, but yeah, like you said, you're uh, we're both vaccinated, double vaccinations. Uh, it feels a lot, it feels so much better. Uh, if anybody's uh, sort of doubting uh, that out there, uh, you know, we're two sh examples of uh, you know being able to get them. Uh, I know you felt kind of bad for a couple of days after it, but, uh, you know, you probably feel a peace of mind uh, that you do have it now. Yes, and also, too, it's okay for you to feel absolutely horrible about it because that's kind of what the point is. is your, your body's supposed to be fighting this off, like, immediately. That's why I felt extremely horrible. But at the same time, I am super happy and glad that I've got it because it does give me that peace of mind now going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's some people that are, are hesitant about it. You know, I wasn't running to it. I wasn't like, yay, I'm getting a shot. I'm so excited. But uh, the peace of mind that it gives you and, and just knowing that, you know, you're, you're not uh, risking the other people's lives that might uh, have some health complications of uh, being immune compromised a little bit. If I get it and give it to somebody and they, uh, get it and pass away uh, you know that's something that I don't know if I could live with uh, you know I'd feel really really horrible about it for a long time yeah I I, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody so yeah. I'll just do my part to make sure that I ensure um, the safety of everybody else yeah the NFL has said that uh, you know they're gonna have stricter rules this year with COVID if a team is forced to uh, postpone a game they'll be forfeited if they um yeah if they didn't follow proper protocols uh they've actually fired a couple of uh coaches that refused to get the vaccinations uh this year they're not going to stand for it uh last year it was a bit of a farce sometimes uh you know remember uh, i think it was cleveland had zero quarterbacks 
Uh, <laughs> you know, there was some games where the team didn't have barely anybody out on the field. They didn't have one team didn't have their full coaching staff. Uh, it was, you know, it was starting to get a little ridiculous, but I think it'll be better than the NFL this year. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think the NFL obviously is trying to protect their product to the best of their ability by saying that, yes, this is, this is absolutely a necessary thing. And yes, you do have the choice of not getting it, but you just won't be playing in our league. Yeah. Yeah. So you had some card trouble last week. You told me, uh, how did it, uh, survive on the uh, sea to sky highway up to Whistler and back? My mechanic is really good. So it nice. survived. Well, um, the car is running great right now. There's some other things that will eventually down the line, I will have to bring it back into the shop to get fixed. But for right now, as it stands, car is running like a dream. Nice. Good. good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, please check out uh, some of our, our um, previous podcasts and please go to the Complete Media Network. Uh, tons of really amazing stuff has been uploaded there. Uh, we've got to thank Larray Joel for uh, doing so much work to update all the websites. Uh, we update them on a daily basis. Uh, lots of entertainment on there, Jason. You got to check it out. Uh, I'm going to have uh, a few uh, mu musical guests uh, soon that you're going to love. Uh, some rap and hip-hop guys that are going to be uh, coming up. And uh, so, uh, yeah, tune in and check it out. And tell tell all your friends, tell your family, uh, Complete Media Network. There's just so much content on there uh, to improve their lives in so many ways. Give them lots of fun. And, uh, yeah, lots of lots of cool things up there. Of course, of course. I, I, I have already told many, and I will continue to keep spreading the word. Awesome. Sure. Okay, man, we'll have a great week. Uh, it's a short week, which is nice. And uh, I hope you don't have to work too hard. I hope you get a nice kind of relaxing week and you can fully recover from your crazy stag weekend. Yes, yes. And I hope the same for you because you're still trying to work in those work muscles. I know it's still hard, but... Uh, yeah. I hope that uh, yours, your week is uh, pretty good as well. Yeah. Uh, Corey White joins us tomorrow. Oh. Uh, yeah. And uh, Scott Holborn and Joe Hinks are uh, both on the show. So it was yes. fun to work with them th this past couple of days. I did a lot of swamping, which was awesome. And uh, let's hope uh, there's a lot more of that. But, uh, yeah, we got a great crew, uh, a lot of guys that you've worked with a lot over the years. Yes, yes. Uh, they, yeah, you guys have a great crew over there. And, uh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I got a week in the, or with, uh, with those guys and then was able to sidestep so that you could slide on in. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I gave Scott a little bit of the gears for uh, taking my job, but uh, it's all good now. <laughs> and, yeah, we'll have a we'll have a few good weeks ahead. Uh, it, this show doesn't have a lot uh, long run left in it, but um, it'll be fun while it lasts. Yes, definitely, definitely. It's a good show, good crew, good people, and uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're there. Enjoy the rest of your holiday Monday, buddy. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you Daddy. soon. Yeah, you bet. You too, as well. Okay. Cheers. Take care. Bye for now. Okay. Well, it was fun. Uh, yeah, we got to talk about a lot of great subjects as usual. Uh, it's nice how well-rounded Jason is. And uh, yeah, nice to find out all the fun things that he gets up to 
in his free time, uh, a stag at Whistler. I've uh, been to uh, many up there. It seems to be the destination for stags and stagettes. And uh, yeah, they uh, did all the, uh, the fun things that usually people get up to for those events. So uh, I want to thank our partners and sponsors before we go. Anchor FM, they call themselves the easiest place to make a podcast. And they are right. Uh, really, really simple. Just go to anchor.fm, follow the details, and you can do what Jason and I have just done here. Uh, also, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And as always, the V350 stick uh, is a must if you have any hockey people in your family or your friends. Uh, get the V350 stick. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, designers of handmade, curated, pretty things, and they do great work around the community. Uh, and Forever Living, the aloe vera company, they have great products for health and beauty. So thanks again to our partners and sponsors. And thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah, I'll put some posts up um, when I'm guest next weekend on the All Even podcast with Barry Grant. Can't wait, Barry. It's going to be exciting and fun. Uh, you're always uh, very entertaining in all your takes, and I hope I can bring some entertainment to your show uh, like you did to mine uh, a few weeks back. So uh, enjoy your holiday Monday, everybody, and uh, yeah, have a great week ahead. Uh, we've got, I guess, another month of uh, the summer before everyone sort of settles back in uh, after Labor Day, but uh yeah, enjoy. Thanks again. Take care. Bye for now. Love you.